The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, we hear from the Director of Disability Policy at the Domestic Policy Council in Washington, D.C. You will perhaps recognize the name and the voice. Welcome to ACB Reports for November 2022. We begin with some announcements. The ACB scholarship application is now live. The American Council of the Blind offers educational scholarships ranging from $2,000 to $7,500 for entering freshmen, undergraduate, and graduate students, and students attending technical college. This program awards students with scholarships to help with educational, financial needs such as tuition, fees, room and board, and assistive technology. To be eligible for a scholarship, Applicants must be legally blind, be a full-time student, or a part-time student who works at least 32 hours per week, and be involved in their school and community. A 3.0 grade point average must be maintained to be eligible for most scholarships. Students must submit their application by February 14, 2023. For more information about the ACB Scholarship Program, Visit the scholarship page at acb.org. Learn more about the 2022 scholarship recipients through a series of videos on the ACB YouTube page. The American Council of the Blind and its affiliate Guide Dog Users Incorporated are conducting a survey to collect information from guide dog users who have been denied rides by rideshare drivers due to the presence of their guide dog. The survey data will be sent to the U.S. Department of Justice to draw attention to this frustrating civil rights violation and highlight the severity of this ongoing problem. The survey opened on November 2nd, and will remain open until the end of this year. Please fill out and submit the form each time you are denied a ride by a rideshare driver during the survey period. To take the survey, visit https colon slash slash www.surveymonkey.com slash r slash rideshare dash denial. That's surveymonkey.com slash r slash rideshare dash denial. SurveyMonkey and Rideshare are written as single words with no spaces. If you wish to submit responses over email or the telephone, contact the ACB Advocacy Team at either advocacy at acb.org or at 202-467-5081. Please only respond to the survey if you have been denied a ride between November 2nd and December 31st of 2022. Get ready for the second annual Audio Description Awards Gala. The gala will air on the ACB Media Network beginning at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. 
Learn more at https colon slash slash adawardsgala.org slash. That's https colon slash slash adawardsgala.org slash. Or listen to a podcast about this upcoming event at https colon slash slash acb advocacy update com From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. Many listeners to ACB Reports will recognize the name and the voice of Day Al Muhammad, who provided legislative and advocacy updates for this program when she was governmental affairs liaison for the American Council of the Blind. Now she is Director of Disability Policy for the Domestic Policy Council in Washington, D.C. She talked about her job and the role of the Domestic Policy Council during this year's conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind. So first, uh, let me say uh, thank you to everyone. Thank you, ACB. Uh, Thank you, Eric Bridges and folks for the lovely invitation to be here today. So uh, as you heard, my name is Dale Muhammad. I'm the Director of Disability Policy for the Domestic Policy Council here at the White House. Some of you actually may remember me from my very, very first job in Washington, D.C., which was actually as ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. So for me, it's, it's wonderful to be able to come back uh, full circle and be able to kind of share the space with you all, even if I have to do it virtually this time. So just as a, a quick image description, uh, so I'm a, a brown-skinned woman uh, with black hair pulled back into a very tight uh, little ponytail. I now, after many years, have a lovely streak of gray down one side, and I have my new favorite shirt, which is kind of a blue-green that's supposed to look like deep ocean water. So I'm pretty thrilled with that. So, uh, so I appreciate the opportunity to be here and to, to kind of share with you a little bit about uh, the administration's priorities and the president's promises as it applies to folks with disabilities. So uh, as mentioned, I'm the director of disability policy for the Domestic Policy Council. The DPC, um, just to tell you a little bit about it, is if you think about it, is the, the core component that um, in many ways we think of as driving policy within and across the federal government. It's currently headed by Ambassador Susan Rice. And so basically, if it has to do with disability policy, and it's coming from anywhere in the federal government, at some point, it's going to cross my desk. So in short, that is kind of what the Domestic Policy Council does. We have a health team, we have a COVID team, we have an immigration team. So it's a, a neat mix. And I end up working across teams with a lot of other amazing folks who are absolutely committed. As I said, I have the privilege to work on disability-related issues across all the federal agencies. And really, it's thinking about how the administration can kind of fulfill its commitment to community integration, how we're expanding access to home and community-based services, how we're expanding opportunities for greater research into long COVID, and basically what we're here for today, which is supporting better access inclusion, specifically for folks who are blind and, and low vision. I'm just going to go through kind of some of the things to summarize where we've been a little bit. I, I know it's been a bit of a tough few years, and I think folks feel like we're finally getting some space to breathe. I have to admit, I've only been, been with the administration since April, so my, my knowledge is short. 
uh, but deep. Um, I think one of the places to start with is, is we talk about how much COVID has impacted everyone. It's disrupted routines, it's increased social isolation, anxiety, and for, for young folks, it's actually impacted learning loss. And I think one of the things that really has been key for top of folks' minds, particularly parents, is that one in three, I mean, high school students reported persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness, and more than half of parents expressed concern over their children's mental well-being. And so about a year ago, the president signed the American Rescue Plan into law. And the American Rescue Plan provided funds, it's actually in many ways a historic investment in preschools through 12th grade, um, to keep schools open, to tackle learning loss. And we're talking specifically $3 billion to states and school districts to specifically meet the needs of students with disabilities, including students who are blind and low vision. And I know that's been one of the toughest things is long-term how much supports to students with disabilities has just been underfunded. And that includes things that improve learning for folks who are blind and young kids. The other thing is the rescue plan provided almost 40 billion. It, I think it's actually probably one of the largest one-time infusions ever to colleges and universities. And again, while the overall title talks about ensuring learning continues during the pandemic, a lot of these funds also provided direct financial relief to students. So the idea is basically being able to do that as well as purchasing COVID-19 tests, being able to make health screenings available, and actually also providing health care to enable students to even continue to get back on their feet after these two hardest years. The presence paused federal student loan payments and interest and collections. You know, no borrower uh, with a student loan held by the Department of Education had to pay a dime on their student loans. And beyond that, the Department of Education has approved nearly $26 billion in targeted debt relief to more than 1.3 million students. And if it sounds like I'm jumping topics a lot, a lot of it is me just trying to make sure I can cover the breadth of things. So I know one of the biggest priorities for President Biden and Vice President Harris has been working both with Democrats and Republicans to create the Affordable Connectivity Program, which allows tens of millions of American households to reduce their internet service costs by up to $30 a month after they secured commitments from 20 leading internet providers to increase the speeds and to cut prices, making sure they all offer ACP-eligible households high-speed, high-quality internet plans, meaning tens of millions of folks can now have access and they're qualified and they just need to visit getinternet.gov to receive internet at no cost for some. I also want to take a pause in here that I know there were several blindness organizations who are actually very active in making sure, one, that this did consider disability, and two, I even, my first weekend, got an email saying, hey, your getinternet.gov site from the start has some accessibility issues. So we turned that around, I think, in less than a week to make sure it was fully accessible. This belongs to everybody. Related to that, I know some folks had a chance to talk to Allison Barkoff earlier this year from the Administration on Community Living from the, uh, I think, the legislative seminar. And she talked about some of the expansions in telehealth coming out of HHS and also a recognition of some of the barriers around the platforms and the websites and kind of some of the ongoing you know, recognition of the frustrations that are a part of that. I know that in their spring agenda, the Department of Justice actually specifically talked about 
looking at uh, addressing web information and services, at least I believe under Title II for state and local governments with the idea of coming out with an NPRM in April of next year. So I know it's not necessarily what what advocates would like to hear, but at least it's a step in the right direction. I also know that um, your own national office team have been working really hard to make sure that nothing gets lost. And the idea is to do as much as possible on that digital accessibility front. The other thing that I think that was of note, it's one of those things we don't think about, but looking into the future could have a massive impact. Was the Department of Justice and the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission both came out with non-discrimination guidance around AI algorithms. And that sounds like something a little science fiction-y and why should we worry about that now? But when we see more and more employers starting to look at these automated systems that determine who could be a good employee and who cannot, based on a test, and if that test is based on data that it was fed that doesn't include disability, or if their system is not accessible, then folks with disabilities would be never be deemed as a good employee. And so the fact that they're trying to get ahead of this and looking at the way algorithms think about disability and that we are part of that data set and included can have a huge impact in the future. When we start thinking about how much data is collected, whether it's on social media that we use or even things like health apps, all of that information is being collected and sorted and used by these different algorithms. And then it, you know, it's being used for a variety of purposes. Um, we think about it as being used to sell us things, but it can be used for so much more than that. And so making sure that disability is protected as a part of that from the very beginning is absolutely important. As a part of the bipartisan infrastructure law, um, and I'll admit this is what I'm particularly excited about, the Department of Transportation dedicated $39 billion to modernize transit and improve accessibility with about $1.75 billion specifically for the All Stations Accessibility Program. That'll make rail stations accessible for all users, as well as I think $5 billion towards improving airport terminals uh, with a preference for expanding accessibility and ADA compliance. So it's one of these things where, and, I, and I'll be admit, we're still in the process of shaping what it looks like, but the funding is there to increase access. And this is something that got started and never got finished. And the fact is being able to say that you need to put this accessibility first. I know the president signed an executive order that commits federal agencies to do everything in their power to expand and promote access to the ballot. I know I have two colleagues here at the Domestic Policy Council who have basically made sure that voting democracy is central to what they do. And a part of that actually includes voters with disabilities. That's been uh, one of the things that the president really wanted to prioritize. And just this last year, the president signed a comprehensive executive order on advancing diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility across the federal workforce. What that does really is it basically charges federal agencies with advancing pay equity, prevention of sexual harassment and misconduct in the workplace, but also ensuring that folks who've been underrepresented at the highest levels of government, i.e. folks with disabilities, people who are blind and visually impaired, have an opportunity to succeed and thrive, that you can get a job working for the federal government that you can be promoted in your job with the federal government, that our government looks and sounds and has people in it who are just like us. 
again, I've been working with my colleagues on that, with the Office of um, Personal Management going, all right, we have an executive order. Now let's look at how do we implement this? How do we make sure that our digital systems are accessible, that we're addressing biases that may exist from managers who may have questions about capacity and folks with disabilities? And being able to actually, on the ground, from a concrete perspective, move this forward. Um, I think that just hit its one-year anniversary mark with a report, I think, just this last week. So at the end of the day, accessibility is really just one step to achieving greater opportunity and prosperity and stability and equality. And I think one of the key things is your engagement. And that is actually the key towards facing down any of the challenges and developing innovative and creative solutions, whether that's through government administrative solutions, whether that is through legislative solutions, or whether you know there are things that can be done through technical guidance. That comes, believe it or not, from you. When we have those kinds of conversations and engagements, when Eric or Clark call my office and say, hey, Day, what about X, Y, and Z? It makes sure that it's something that the administration pays attention to. It's something that I can make sure the president pays attention to. And the idea is to make change. It, Like I said, as the director of disability policy, it means anything to the government is going to cross my desk. That also means there's a lot crossing my desk. So being able to rely on your knowledge and expertise and lived experience to be able to say, hey, hey, I want to make sure you don't miss this is important. That engagement and back and forth between the government and the people should be there, is supposed to be there. And that's what makes sure that good decisions are made, that change is made, and that we actually have a government that looks like us, sounds like us, but also what can we do to not just support and assist blind and visually impaired parents, but what we can do to stand by our blind and visually impaired Americans. So just to to close, like many other folks, I I just want to express my appreciation and my gratitude for the opportunity to be here, but also that I look forward to ongoing engagement and conversation over the next few months as things move forward. When things go great, awesome. Tell me about them. I want to know because the the more we can, I can wave go, hey, this is this happened and it was great. Guess what? It makes people want to do more things. And also make sure you let us know when things are not going as well or where things need a bit more attention. And then basically we'll do what we can. And at the end of the day, let's see how much we can improve accessibility and equality for all of us. That was Day Al Mohammed, Director of Disability Policy for the Domestic Policy Council in Washington, D.C. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. The 2022 ACB Convention podcasts and videos are now available. All presentations that were not heard on the live webinar and ACB media feed are in these recordings, including the insightful presentation made by World Blind Union CEO Mark Workman. Access the general session and banquet podcast at https colon slash slash www.acbmedia.org slash category slash convention slash.
That's https colon slash slash www.acbmedia.org slash category slash convention slash. For the RSS feed, visit https colon slash slash pinecast.com slash feed slash acb dash convention. Access the breakout session podcasts at https colon slash slash www.acbmedia.org slash podcasts slash. That's http colon slash slash www.acbmedia.org slash podcasts p-o-d-c-a-s-t-s slash. Breakout sessions from the ACB business meetings on July 11th and 13th will be available soon and may be available by the time you hear this announcement. The edited video versions of the 2022 ACB Conference and Convention General Sessions and the Banquet Keynote by Judy Human are now available on ACB's YouTube channel. The entire program that was presented at General Sessions is in these videos free of technical glitches. Visit 2022 ACB Convention YouTube Playlist to access all eight videos. National Braille Press is seeking applications for the Touch of Genius Prize. The Touch of Genius Prize for Innovation is taking applications for the 2023 awards year. Applications are due on January 13, 2023. The Touch of Genius Prize was developed to inspire entrepreneurs, educators, and inventors to continue the promotion of Braille and tactile literacy for blind and deafblind people worldwide. This prize can be granted for innovative and accessible computer software applications, tactile hardware, and curriculum that promotes Braille and or tactile literacy. Full application details and more information can be found at www.touchofgeniusprize.org. That's www.touchofgeniusprize.org. Questions may be sent to geniusprize at nbp.org. Here is information from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, West Virginia, Mississippi, and Arkansas have the highest rates of people reporting blindness or difficulty seeing in the country. It also found that despite 70% of people needing prescription eyeglasses, 38% of Americans don't have an eye doctor, and 63% don't have vision insurance. One in 10 Americans hasn't been to an eye doctor in six years. 58% have refractive errors such as blurred vision, nearsightedness, etc. States with the best patient-to-doctor ratios are Nebraska, Rhode Island, and Montana. The worst patient-to-doctor ratios are in Louisiana, Tennessee, and South Carolina. 
View the results of this survey at https colon slash slash www.envisioncenters.com slash finding dash n dash i dash doctor slash. That's https colon slash slash www the letter n visioncenters.com slash finding dash and dash i dash doctor slash you've been listening to acb reports from the american council of the blind acb reports is heard each month on audio information services across the united states and worldwide on the acb media network acbmedia.org the show is produced at radio reading service of mississippi a service of mississippi public broadcasting Contact the American Council of the Blind at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another edition of ACB Reports.